Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Today we're going to move into a, a two-parter again um, called Setting Up a Suddenly. Setting Up a Suddenly, and I am very excited about this because I believe that God calls us into that place where we get to partner with him. And you'll hear me say that phrase all the time. We get to partner with God. I don't believe God calls us to just sit there and wait for him to drop blessings from heaven on us. I don't believe he, he expects us to just sit there and, and someday, you know, the, the merry-go-round's going to spin properly and we get the golden ticket and all things are happy. We get to partner with the things of God. And I don't know a ton about sports, but I do know that pretty much in every team sport, there is a setup for every goal that is, is won. Every, every time there's a point that is gotten, somebody usually has to set up the thing. So whether it's volleyball or basketball or hockey or whatever, it's the assist, it's the setup, it's the, the thing. And, and truly, when it happens like that, you know, we celebrate the person who got the point, but there is a setup in order for that to happen. And so we, we get to be God's setup partners. He does the stuff. He, he, he has the win. He has the, the move of his spirit, but we get to help him by setting it up. We get to position ourselves and position things in our lives in order for it to be able to move. And I was thinking about, I don't know um, how many years, but the, the lottery commercial that used to be on TV all the time, and it would just say, suddenly it could happen to you suddenly and you'd see all these crazy things that you know would happen and people had had this breakthrough of finances and whatever but the key to the whole thing kind of was because it wasn't just like suddenly it could happen to everybody it was suddenly it can happen to you like if you have a ticket Basically, I mean, that's my understanding of it. it. It helps to suddenly access it if you have a ticket. And so we have this thing um, that we talk about in church about the suddenlies of God. The suddenlies of God are when God does something that's like, oh my goodness, it was this way yesterday and today it's this way. Suddenly God has done something. There's just this suddenly from heaven. But most of the time there is a setup to that suddenly. Most of the time there's a preparation for that suddenly. Most of the time it didn't just drop on us out of nowhere. We are in relationship with God and we're expecting something. There's a, there's a, a looking for him to do something. There's a standing on the word. There's a relationship that we're drawing on. There is a setup for a suddenly. And so we want to talk about that. What, what really appears to be the unexpected, you know, we'll, we'll hear these phrases, this sudden, God suddenly did this. Um, most of the time, the people who are directly engaged in the situation, it wasn't that sudden for them. It was, there was some build up to it, right? It's like those people who are overnight stars. Not really. Usually they've been 20 years, you know, doing stuff in the back burner that nobody knew. And now suddenly somebody sees them, but there's been a lot of work leading up to it. There's been a lot of preparation. Um, I'm not sure if anybody saw this week, Sammy Robinson, He's been up here a few times. Did anybody see any of his interviews this week? Yeah. So he was ministering last week in uh, Sylvan Lake, and uh, he's preaching, and all of a sudden there's some commotion in the back, and, and uh, the church that's, that's there in Sylvan Lake has this long history of, they just, you know, they're open to whatever God is doing, so sometimes it might look a little bit strange or whatever, but they're, they're seeking a move of God. Um, and so anyway, there's all this commotion. Well, it turns out this lady in the back died during his sermon. And uh, so 
he just keeps preaching for a while, which is very profound. And uh, Samuel, if you're watching, bless you. Um, but just keeps preaching. And uh, so they call, they have a doctor in the house and they have two nurses. So they're all, you know, over this lady and she is gone. No vital signs, no nothing for at least five minutes. Um, she's out. They call 911, whatever. And then all of a sudden, and this is how Sammy says it, uh, he's like, and suddenly, all of a sudden, the life came back into her. And she sat up and the doctor's like, oh, there you are. And, uh, and they kind of just carry on with the service because she comes. So there's a, like a, an actual like documented death and resurrection in a church service. Now, we can pick that apart however we want to. Um, and, and some people are like, well, why does it happen all the time? Why doesn't everybody get raised from that? That's just don't go there. I'm telling you what, if... if Somebody died in church and came back to life. I would be all over that. that not that we, we don't want that at, to happen. <laughs> but the suddenly wasn't so suddenly. The suddenly came because that, that, that particular minister, you know, Samuel Robinson, is, he's absolutely after kind of those things of God. He is open to whatever. He tries a lot of stuff that doesn't seem to have any results. And yet some of the stuff that he does does right so he's he's pressing in that particular church is like holy spirit we're gonna let you move if it looks weird a little bit it looks weird but we're whatever it takes to have you move in this place and in that particular service they were engaged in prayer they, they finally once they realized what was going on the whole group just started praying over this woman you know and there's an engagement there's a pull there was a setup for a suddenly what would have happened if this was the place this this lady had a past in the service and everybody just immediately went into weeping and mourning and, oh, this is so terrible. There was no setup for a suddenly. But because it was an atmosphere of faith where people believed God could do the impossible, everybody just started engaging their faith. They started praying. They started interceding. They started putting a draw on heaven. They started to set up a suddenly. And I believe God is calling us to do these sorts of things. Suddenlies are the suddenlies of God. They are scriptural. They are aligned with God's track record, his character, his nature, what he does. They're not the kind of things that just come out of nowhere. Like, does God raise people from the dead? Read the book. 100% he does. Does he raise all people from the dead? Well, sooner or later. <laughs> you know. But we know that there's a track record of God raises people from the dead. We, we know that that can happen. Does he heal? Does he provide? Does he supply? Are there miracles? Are there signs? Are there wonders? Yes, all the time. So we want to match up our expectation of suddenlies to what it is we know about who he is. I was thinking about, you know, there's these phantom scriptures in the Bible, um, kind of like the one that says, um, when God closes a door, he opens a window, which is found in the book of nothing. It's right there next to God works in mysterious ways. Also, not a scripture reference for that one. Did you know that? So what we, we go, oh, well, God works in mysterious ways. It's not that mysterious when you know him. 
When you know his character, it's not all that mysterious. It's mysterious ways. Man, God works in mysterious ways means I don't know his nature. I don't know his character. I don't know how he acts. I don't know how he would respond. But what the word actually says is specifically in um, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, it says that his ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are higher than ours. He's, he does more than what we can possibly imagine, but it's not unknown or ununderstood. It's not that we miss it. The idea of mysterious means that we can't know it. Mysterious literally means difficult to understand or identify. And particularly that difficult to identify, no, we should be able to identify a move of God like that. If we know him, that matches him. It matches his nature. It matches his character. It matches who he is. And that's where our expectation goes. The ways of God are higher, better, and different than ours, but they are not impossible, difficult, or uh, hard to identify or explain. They are surrounding us everywhere and are explained by his character. So when we know who God is and we see things around us happen, we can identify that's a move of God. Based on not my feelings, not my, my boundary lines, based on who he is. Based on who he is, that seems like something God would do. So there's a setup in my expectation of who he is. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10 says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But, but, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit in us as believers prompts us to expect what it is that is is aligned with God's nature, what it is he wants to do. We actually shouldn't be that surprised. What does that mean? What the, the reason that we're setting this up is I believe that what God is doing and about to do in our city, in our nation, and around the earth right now does not match up at all with what it is we see around us. I actually believe we're living in like a parallel universe kind of uh, thing where if you look, it is so easy to get sucked into the upset about everything. You can be, you can be upset about any topic you want because there is controversy on every front. And yet I believe God is going, this is one of those windows where where the darkness is there, the light is about to break out. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Where there's one of these moments in time, when you look at at world history, you look at Bible time history, the rule of Nero, the rule of some of those, those completely demonized people who decides to light people on fire as, as lighting for a party. People completely possessed. And yet while that was going on, there was a move of God. And there was, a, there was an expansion of the kingdom and there was a spreading of the faith. And the darker the dark looks, the more attractive the light becomes. And I believe that's one of those things that even we're seeing in Afghanistan right now. Uh, I read an article that said there were some of the, the Christian leaders in that area that there were, they were offered a way out and they said, no, God called us to stay right now. We will stay till the end. This is our assignment. We believe he's moving. How do you make that choice? You expect properly. You are looking for a suddenly from God that is not earthly rational, but it is spiritually rational. 
Well, the Holy Spirit reveals to us the things of God. So we have these inner nudgings where God is showing us there's, there's a sense, this is what he wants to do. And I mean, I can talk big, we could, we could talk move of God in, in, in you know, a nation, we could talk about revival in a city. I'm talking about he might be, he might be giving you a sense of the calling upon your life, about a, a hope for your marriage, for your family, for your finances, for your workplace. There's, there's just a sense on the inside. And then you start to think it and you're like, that's nuts. Yeah. Don't think it, pray it. Don't, don't think it. The, the, the mind has to learn to come into agreement with what the spirit is saying. And so God is saying the spirit of God reveals to us what God has planned for us. And so your spirit might pick up something long before your head can think it. Are you with me? I'm, I'm telling you, we, we started this summer and I, I, I gave the word about preparing to cross over. And, and it was three days in the word in Joshua. I believed it was three months, June, July, August, that there's some stuff to get prepared to cross over, that we're moving seasons, that there is a new prophetic uh, window that is beginning to open and we need to be ready for it. That means that that whole thing, the Joshua story, it was prepared to pack up and cross over. In other words, leave what needs to be left, bring what needs to be brought and begin to move. And so this summer, I hope you've had time. And some of you, you got two weeks left. But, you know, do what you need to do to line up with what you sense on the inside, not what you see in your, in your eyes or think in your mind. It's not really about the election. It's not. The, the things that are around us, this is one of those things that could could draw our attention. Here's what we need out of this election. Statistically, I don't know how they check this, but apparently uh, the highest number ever of Christians that have voted in a federal election is 68%. That's a problem. So what we need is we need believers to rise up and care about where God has placed them right now. We need to vote in people who will stand for righteousness Whatever flag they're under, whatever, whatever banner. I know that there are big political policies and I, I'm not going to get into that at all. But this is a window of time where we're subject to a bit of change. It'd be great if we had large changes in some areas, but we're, we're subject to a bit of change. What we need is the church to wake up. We need there to be a, a, a voice that comes out and begins to speak truth. We need to care about the issues that line up with God's heart. That's what needs to happen. But it would be so easy. I'm just like, I know this is not normal church. If you're visiting with us, this is definitely more in the prophetic zone. This is a shifting point. I'm, I'm telling you, this is a shifting point and we cannot afford to be distracted. You cannot afford to be distracted. Um, I would be happy to tell you privately, you know, voting wise, I think what, what I, I believe God could be directing in certain ways, but, but really you get before God, you find out how you need to vote and guess what? Your opinion about the bigger picture is sort of irrelevant. Nobody's asking. Are, do you understand what I'm saying? 
I'm saying we are about to cross over and it is so tempting to get caught up with what's going on over here and what's going on over there and we're really angry that there's more electoral votes in the East than there is in the West and what, what does that say about us? And blah, 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 blah. What is God saying? He's saying, I am on the move. Would you set up a suddenly for me? I'm about to do something. I am calling people. I am moving. I am moving upon hearts. He, he is ministering. You know, we have people come to Christ every single week right now. There have been seasons of time where the church has seen nobody come to Christ, where, where there, there's been long periods of drought, but right now God is moving. Let's get our heads in the right game and expect the right things. In your life, that might mean making some changes. Like in Wayne, for Wayne and I, even this summer, we went through, we did a self-analysis. We analyzed our time. We analyzed our spending. We analyzed what, you know, how we hang out, and we've just made some changes. There's some things that we are not going to be you know, wasteful about anymore. There's some places where we feel to be very direct. There's some things that we feel to pray about together as a couple that the prayer of agreement is going to start changing some stuff. Like I'm, I'm telling you this from personal stuff and I'm not saying like we didn't give up heroin. You know, I'm talking about the good stuff that might be in the way. Sometimes there's just clutter from the call of God. And what is he calling you to do and be and say? How's he asking you to engage? Who's he asking you to engage? And sometimes it's past the right, right here, right now. And so God's leading us into this new thing, this setting up of a suddenly. I think it's interesting how Revelations even tells us, like we know that Jesus is gonna return suddenly, but the book of Revelations tells us that the bride has made herself ready. There's a suddenly, but there's a setup to that suddenly, yes. right? There's a preparation that happens. The book of Acts is full of these setups to suddenly. And so one of the, uh, the book of Acts is one of the places where there is the most uses of the word suddenly, which is very interesting because the Holy Spirit just, just does stuff. We have access to that same Holy Spirit right? He's moving here. He wants to move in might and power. I think it's so interesting that when Peter and John went into the temple and the beggar was there, you know, they could have just went, oh, no, no, no. We're, we're going in to pray. The guy was there and he's like, you know, can, can you help me? Can you guys help me? They didn't have any money. Obviously they said silver and gold we don't have. So they could have just walked past him and said, well, we don't have any money. We're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to minister to the Lord. But they paused long enough in that moment. They were alert enough in the spirit. They were expecting signs, wonders, and miracles. Their, their anticipation was there for a move of God. So they paused and said, okay, well, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we'll give you. I believe it could be in our interactions with one another. It could be in the stuff that's right in front of us. It's the obedience in the moment that we don't know to step into unless we are set up for it, unless our expectation is looking for a suddenly. Acts 16, 26. This is when Paul and Silas were in prison. You know, the story was a bit of a ripoff. They were just doing the work of God and ended up in jail. How does that mesh with our North American philosophies of faith. Anyway, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Well, there's a suddenly that comes out of nowhere. If it was us, I'm just being on, you know, honest, probably North America, 
Why did I get arrested? Why did I get beaten? Why am I in stocks and chains? Why, God, wouldn't you set me be free before any of this? A lot of us are in the place of, of immaturity in our faith so that that would do us in. God, I was just preaching your word and look what happened to me. I, just, I was out there and I was just trying to be obedient and you let them beat me. But here's the setup for the suddenly. Acts 16, 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. The phrasing of this is very, very important. They were not why, God, why? Why am I suffering? They were not doing that. They were praying and they were singing hymns to God. And they weren't singing like he's going to do it again. They weren't, they weren't singing like even about themselves. That particular word that is used there for they were singing hymns, they're singing about God's nature. They're singing about who he is. They're singing about his character. They're singing about his goodness. And so in the midst of everything that seems to have gone wrong, it tells me that they had an expectation of who he is. They were setting up a suddenly. I think it's entirely possible that if they just sat there crying, going, why God? Suddenly might not have happened. But because they said, we don't care, it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal to go through the hardships compared to what Christ did for us. This is nothing. We're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to engage him. We're going to praise him in the middle of this storm. We're going to sing about who he is. We're going to sing about his greatness, his strength, his power, his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his justice. We're going to declare who God is. And on the inside of us, we're going to begin to prepare a setup for a suddenly. We're going to prepare the atmosphere for a suddenly. That's why sometimes when you least feel like it, you, you need to praise. Why, why when you least feel like it it's the time to engage the presence of God because it shifts the atmosphere and it sets up the suddenly but the enemy of our souls would love to draw us into this place of despair where we stop even looking for God to move because we're still trying to figure out why we got here in the first place why didn't you rescue me? Why didn't you fix it? Why didn't you solve it? Well, Joseph, when we read the Old Testament, we know Joseph said to his own brothers, he's like, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. When we know his character, we can go ahead and set up a suddenly because we know he is always only good. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to have the picture around it. I don't have to have the framework for it. And, and some of us really need to grasp this today. It's not about minimizing the loss. It's not about minimizing the pain. It's not about minimizing the suffering. It's about acknowledging that God is bigger. Yeah. That this is temporary. This is a temporary assignment. Praise God. I mean, I can't deal with those paper straws much longer. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, <laughs> we need an answer for the issues of this earth. Canadian problems, I think sometimes, but you know, we need to focus. It's, it's literally one of the things I'm, I'm joking, but it's kind of one of the things that irritate me, but I've started now every time I have one of those straws that doesn't quite make it to the bottom of the cup and it just starts to fold on you. And you, I start to go, this is such a reminder that the earth is passing away. 
literally the earth, the earth is dying. There is, there is something that is happening. So, you know, the environmental stuff, whatever, it's, it's just a reminder that this is a passing lifetime. There is, there is a life and it's, I know it's lame, but it works for me. Okay. Works for me to know that this is, it's a reminder that, that we have a limited time on this earth. We have a limited time to share the gospel. We have a limited time to be a light. We have a limited time to go through the hard stuff. And so it is worth it to set up a move of God, to anticipate what he's going to do, to partner with him. So whatever little things start to irritate us, thank you, God, that this earth is on a timeline. It's, it's, on, a, it's on a limited scope, but we know that you are forever. And so I'm going to tap into the eternal right now. I'm going to tap into who you are. There's these setups. There's an expectation and there's a preparation to set up for what it is God wants to do. Acts 2, um, and actually we'll start at Acts 1, verse 4 and 5 and 7 and 8, and we know this suddenly. We're familiar with this suddenly. And it says, and being assembled together with them, Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse six, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the time, sorry, verse seven. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said to them, he's telling them, okay, here's, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a move from heaven that's going to rock your world. It's going to change everything. But what I need you to do is wait. I need you to go there and I need you to wait and I need you to anticipate. And we know that when the Holy Spirit came in and, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to all, but in that particular moment, it first fell on those who chose to wait. Those who chose to set up what was coming. And they started to ask, they're like, so when this happens, is this the beginning of the shift of things and whatever? And Jesus is like, don't worry about that. That's really not your business right now. Your concern is to set up the suddenly. Your concern is to wait in Jerusalem. Your concern is to do what it is I'm telling you to do because what it is that's coming is far bigger than you can understand and you just need to do your piece of it. And so then it goes on in Acts 2, starting at verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It didn't fill the whole city. Isn't that interesting? Didn't fill the whole earth. It filled the place where they were sitting, where they were prepared, where they were looking, where they were expecting, where they were anticipating. It says that they were there with one heart, one accord. They had probably had to deal with some stuff. They'd had to deal with some junk. They were processing what was going on. And they had stepped away from their normal lives for that little window of time to wait for it was, for what it was that Jesus had said was coming. They didn't really understand what it was going to look like. They didn't know how this was going to play out. They just know that Jesus said, something is coming that is worth waiting for. And I want you to wait. 
There are things that God has prophesied to us, to you, to your family, to your marriage. There's things that he's spoken. There's things that you believe in your heart. There's things that when you've told them to people around you, they're like, you're crazy, but you feel it. Does anybody have that? You've got a sense on the ends, an expectation that God wants to do something, you know, that, that, that is bigger than you can actually put words on and you don't know how to express it. It's something on the inside of you. So we have to take that thing that he's nudging, that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us what God has planned for us, and we begin to ask him, what's my piece of it? How do I, what's my part in the setup? What's my bit? How do I move towards this? So there's two key things that we're going to talk about today. And then next week, we're really going to dig into some big stuff. So uh, just the light version today is expectation and preparation. And the expectation is a big deal. I, I know that there's a lot of people right now that are very much, there's a, there's a sense that, you know, this is the... Um, we're, we're, we're in the last times. We are in the last times. There's no question about that. But whether we're talking five years or 50 or, you know, whatever, we don't know the specifics. So the bigger question is, if, if that's where the expectation is, what does he want me to do about it? What, what, if I don't, I don't have the specific, I just know that I have a sense on the inside. What does he want me to do about it? I might have a sense that God wants, you know, th this to happen for business wise or financially, or, you know, I'm supposed to start a ministry. or I'm supposed to reach out to certain people. I have a sense on the inside. Great. What does he want you to do about it? And so we're, we're trying to cross over those two things. The expectation is the big thing. What are you actually expecting from God right now? It's actually a really important question. So it's something that I'm praying that we'll all meditate on all week long before next week. What are you expecting from God? What's on the inside of you? Do you know that the current climate uh, spiritually and, and um, culturally around us demonically is designed to suck the life out of you? Where really it just takes one more thing one more announcement, one more change, one more place of loss of control. And it literally, the phrase that I hear people say all around me all the time is, what's the point? <sighs> what's even the point? We need to be aware that there is an enemy of our souls who is very aware that an active body of Christ will change the world. That this is God's plan for this moment in history is for the bride to arise and become who she's been made to be. And so the subtle squeeze, particularly on North American Christians, is to just not care. I can't afford to care anymore. I can't afford to hope anymore. What's the point? I don't, I don't even know. I'm asking you, spend some time with the Lord this week. What are you expecting from God? It's got to match up with his nature. It's got to match up with his character. It's going to be based on the track record of God. What are you expecting from him marriage-wise, work-wise, health-wise, as the nation? I've, I've heard believers this week say, what's the point in even voting? We can't change anything, and I don't, even, I don't like any of the candidates. Wrong answer. 
What we have to care about, it's not about the outcome of the election. What I'm expecting from God is that God is awakening his church to pray, to intercede, to engage, to contend for justice and righteousness, to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, to begin to pray for our leaders. Any of those that you feel should not be in position, God can either remove them or he can change them. Do you know everybody's got the opportunity to come to Christ and have a revelation of life and love and, and salvation? And so maybe we just need to pray for a national revival in our leadership, right? We need to shift in, in, in parliament. We need to see it in different uh, decision-making policies. We need to see people who have an encounter with God. I think it's so interesting that when even Jesus was coming to be crucified, and, and we know that Pilate's wife was like, I had all kinds of bad dreams about this last night. There was, a, there was a spiritual engagement that was happening on a whole nother level. What are we expecting from God? If we just say there's no point, we're abdicating and we fail to set up what God wants to do. He wants to move right now. I think we're in one of the premium times for our nation where the brokenness is so widespread and some of the hidden things have been revealed. It's time for us to begin to see God move. Where, where really there's no us versus them. It's pretty clear that pretty much everybody's hurting from something. And God is the only answer. So what am I expecting? What am I expecting from God? I was thinking about, uh, I've had a lot of, uh, I'm on most of your uh, reference lists when you apply for jobs. Did you know that? Um, everybody's like, oh, call my pastor. She'll tell something nice about me, which is great. I, I love talking great things about all of you. But, uh, you know, it's the reason that you put on references on a job application is because the person coming into the relationship potentially wants to know you've known them longer. Who are they? How would they act in this situation? They wanna know what's your character. What are you really like? If somebody asked you about God, what would you say? What would God do in this situation? What's God's opinion about this? How would God act in this situation? Do you know him well enough that you could give him a good character reference? What's the expectation? The church has to dig into this. We have to lean into who he is. We have to lean into his nature. What matches his character? What is the Holy Spirit stirring in you? One of the phrases that is really common in the business world right now is learning to manage your expectations. And so there's actually like, you can Google it and there's entire like articles and training and whatever on managing expectations. So managing expectations is making sure that, in fact, I'll give you the, the one main definition. Uh, seek to prevent disappointment by establishing in advance what can realistically be achieved or delivered by a project understanding, course of action, etc. Seek to prevent disappointment by establishing in advance realistic goals. We are trained as a society to set the bar low. That's what that means. I mean, it, it means that what, what can we realistically expect from God? What can we realistically think he's going to do? What can we realistically, when it comes to God, it's not about realistically, it's about his character. It's about his nature. And when we put it in the realistic box, we'll do things like, God, I believe you're my source. And I'm managing that expectation by realistically, I've applied for three jobs, 
This one pays this much, this one pays this much, this one pays this much. So realistically, my expectation is that I would like you to give me the second one because it would make my life easier. But realistically, if you could just give me even the first or the third one, even though they pay less, um, I might be able to also augment with this and this and this. So realistically, I'm just asking if you could give me just a nudge through the door based on my expectations that I can come up with. God expectations are, God, I thank you that you are my source. I am willing to do anything, go anywhere, work any job, apply myself in whatever place that you open up for me. I'm gonna do whatever I can do, but I believe that you are my provider and you can do this however you want to. Thank you, Lord. Right? It's that. It's the packaging up. It's the, God, I believe you're my healer. And so I pray that you would heal me by making this work or that work. Or specifically, I would really like everything to just manifest miraculously right this second. And five minutes from now, if it's not gone, well, maybe, maybe my expectations were too high. Based on his character, he is our healer. Do you know, some of us just need to, to, to let it go in terms of what if somebody we've prayed for has passed on? Do you know they are healthy and whole and don't want to be here? Really? And so, we have to manage that in, in a godly sense, in this, the way that we say, God, I trust that you're my healer. I pray that you touch this body. I thank you that it's committed to you. And in whatever way you choose, whether it's through doctors, whether it's miraculously, however you choose to do it, I thank you, Lord, that you are my God and this body belongs to you. And, and my expectation is that I'm gonna meet God through this. In some way, somehow, I'm gonna encounter God through this. And, and, and really, most of us um, have had, a, you know, a hundred, if not more, little miracles along the way that we even forget to acknowledge. You know, the time you prayed over the cold, the headache, the fever, the whatever, and forgot to even acknowledge it. He heals us all the time. There's stuff all the time that's happening. So we need to make sure that our expectation is based on who he is and it's accurate. It's outside the earthly box. And then secondly, the preparation. So here's the, the next question that you're going to spend some time with the Lord on this week. First, what am I expecting from the Lord? And secondly, what should I do about it? What should I do about it? Is there a step that needs to be taken? It is, it is very hard sometimes for God to move in our lives. I mean, he can do whatever he wants, but he's waiting for us to set up the suddenly. If we refuse to change, we refuse to adapt, we refuse to, to shift anything, um, his hands are tied. Like, God always asks for a move of obedience. Look at the story of the rich young ruler who Jesus was like, wow. Like basically he called him to be a disciple. Like you're awesome. Sell everything and come and follow me. And he was like, oh no, I can't do that. Is there something that God is asking you to do that you have previously been unwilling to do? Because it's probable that the suddenly is on the other side of the obedience. And I know that's not a fun word. But literally, it's where we're at. If we want to see the extraordinary, we have to be surrendered to what it is he's calling us to do. Sometimes it's necessary to change. So how can I prepare? 
What am I going to do about it? What am I willing to give up, to grab onto, to open up for, to share, to start, to invest, to sow? What am I willing to adjust to match up with what it is that God's put that expectation on my heart? It is very realistic to expect what it is he's put in your heart to expect. So let me just finish today. We're going to finish and then pick this up next week. Second Chronicles, um, and for that matter, Second Kings and Isaiah and uh, Hosea and everything. There, there's, a, there's a lot of books of the Bible that talk about King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah is this one king in Judah's history that had this encounter with God. Um, if you read the passages before and after, you find out from, from him um, and about him that he was raised by one of the most heathen, evil kings for a father ever. And yet here comes a man who has a lifetime of encounters with God, who experienced the supernatural, who experienced the suddenlies of God, because he partnered with God. He's talked about in, in Proverbs, he's talked about all, you know, multiple places in the word because it was noteworthy, exemplary how he lived his life. We know that the scripture that we claim even for our nation, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, right? I will hear from heaven, I will hear, uh, heal their sin and, and uh, heal their land. Forgive their sin and heal their land. We know that that's a promise from God. It's a, if they, then I. If they, then I. And so Hezekiah actually lived this. He actually put into practice the promises of God. In 2 Kings 18, 5 to 7, it, it gives this description of him. It says, he trusted the Lord God of Israel. Verse 6, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him and prospered him wherever he went. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. So in one king's lifetime, one generation, something happened where pr prior to that, the uh, Assyrian kingdom was the, the dominators of the land. It was like... It, just everywhere, they were ruthless, they were cruel, they were mercenaries, and they were, they just like consumed people, they consumed cities, they consumed nations. And so here comes this king who was not raised by a godly father, who was not raised in a godly way, and yet on the inside of him, he had this sense that I believe God could do something in this situation. This passage gives me incredible hope for our nation because I don't think we're that far gone. Not, not as far as this kingdom was. We are not as broken as this kingdom was. We are not as far gone as they were. His father, King Ahaz, um, basically got to the point they set up high places all over the nation. They had all kinds of um, idol worship. They had all kinds of like demon worship. And they actually, he actually nailed shut the temple so that nobody could go in there. Like that... Like, God has no place here. We're not that far gone. So we have hope, right? So here comes this guy who says he, he trusted the Lord God of Israel. He had an expectation that God could do something. And his preparation for that in this moment was he, did, he decided he was not going to bow to the king of Assyria. I am not, even though everybody else is doing this, even though this is what I grew up with, I am not bowing. Some of you, right in your current situations, this is exactly what you're dealing with right now. You might be the first one in your family. 
You might be the, the only one in your household. You might be the only one in your workplace. But God might be calling upon you right now to say, I will not bow. It could be. Whatever that means. Whatever he's calling you into. But let's flip over to 2 Chronicles 29. Because I want you to get the picture of the setup here. It's, it's a really cool story. Um, about three or four chapters in there of what his life looked like. And it's amazing. Hezekiah, as you might recall, he's the guy who was dying and he begged God for life and God gave him 15 extra years. Like he actually saw the miraculous in multiple, multiple ways. But 2 Chronicles 29, and we're gonna start at verse two. And it, he, he becomes king at 25 years old, pretty young to know what he's doing. But it says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. It's actually 13 King since David, but his father David, that's who he aligned with. Verse three, in the first year of his reign, in the first month. So brand new king. His dad is a complete heathen. It's been messed up, broken up. And in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he goes, okay, you know what? It's my life. I get to do what I feel to do. I'm aligning myself with King David. I'm aligning myself with the Lord. I'm aligning myself with what is right. And so right off the get-go, starting today, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and he gathered them in the East Square. And he said to them, hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God, and they have forsaken him. And they have turned their faces away from the dwelling places of the Lord, and they have turned their backs on him. And they have also shut up the doors of the vestibule and put out the lamps and have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings to the holy place, uh, in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation and to jeering, as you see with your eyes. For indeed, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword and our sons, our daughters and our wives are in captivity. So he's saying, here's what you need to understand. We're going to open up the house of God and we're going to clean some junk out. It is time to get right before God. And if you're worried, you're sad about what has gone on before, our fathers, our brothers, our, our, our ancestors before us have been broken down. We have been dealing with the absence of God in our lives and we're seeing the consequences of it. He's saying our nation is shattered. Our legacy is shattered because we shut down the move of God in this land because we turned our backs on him. Now, this sounds so familiar to me. It's not that God does it. It's that God goes, okay, you want me out? I'm out. And so here's a people who for a generation, the previous generation had completely shut their backs on God. And he says, this is what we're dealing with. We're the fact that it's so messed up. He's not trying to, you know, build some sort of national progress plan. He's not trying to build some, like, let's, let's rebuild and reestablish and let's fortify walls and do things to defend ourselves from the Assyrians. He's like, no, we need to get on our faces. We need to get things right. We need to clean out the house of God. We need to make sure that he is honored, that he is preferred, that what he desires is what we do. We need to get ourselves right with him. And he says then in verse 10, now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. 
Verse 11 says, my sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister to him and burn incense. Do not be negligent now. He says, this is the time. I know it's bad. I know it's been bad. I know what we see behind us is horrible, but it's in my heart. What I believe needs to happen is that we're going to covenant with God. And we're going to do the things that are on his list first. We're going to clean out the house. We're going to get our hearts right. He says, sanctify yourself. He says, basically, prepare yourselves because we're going to realign with heaven right now. I believe that across the board, this is the call that God's placing out there for the church. Some of us, and I, again, I'm just going to revisit, whether it's your marriage, it's your finances, it's your health, it's your relationships, it's, it's you know, any part of your life. When it is aligned with God, God can move. And, and just to get really messy with it, I mean, there's some stuff straight up that he might ask you, it's been a long friend of yours. It's been a long-term companion in your life. Something, some situation, some way of doing things. Maybe some are dealing with, I, I don't, I mean, they mention the offering every week. I'm totally not into tithing. What if your financial blessing's on the other side of it? What if you're like, oh no, I, I couldn't possibly, you know, give up bread. I can't. Well, what if your healing's on the other side of that? I mean, let's get messy here. I can't possibly give up. Whatever, whatever the thing is, whatever the situation, whatever the habit. So, some are spending, you know, 20 hours a week on video games, but God's got other plans for you. And when he asks you to do them, you say, I don't have time. Blow up the game machine. Like, I, you know what I'm saying. It's these up close things because God wants us at maximum impact. We, we get to, I, I have no question mark in my heart that God is about to break out in some radical way like we have never seen before. I, I, I have zero question marks in my heart. And I, for myself, my expect, I feed that expectation. I look for places where God is moving, where we're seeing testimonies, where there's, there's stuff happening. I'm looking for those, those places where you can see the reports of miracles and, and things happen. And we have them here too. But some, some places, it has opened up to the place where it's happening consistently, 100% of the time. I'm looking for those, those waves of people just turning where justice is restored in, in the civic realm, where it's restored in the governmental realm, where we start to see things be, be right in God's eyes. I look for testimonies of that because I'm building my expectation. On a preparation level, I mean, there's a lot of personal stuff. Like I say, I mean, it, it's, it's right down to, for us, our finances, our time, our health. It's the stuff that is right up close and personal because, dang it, I'm not going to get left behind because I'm too fat and tired to be there. So <laughs> we're doing what it takes right now to be on the front lines wherever God, God wants us to be, yeah. studying in the word, meditating on him, spending time in prayer, cultivating the relationship. I want to be able to know him so well that I can see that's God, that's not. 
Yes, no, yes, absolutely. Yes, that matches his character. I can't explain that, but yes, that's him. I want to be that sharp. What do you want? What are you asking for? Because King Hezekiah said, when we clean out the house of God, when there's this, we're going to put God in the right place. We're going to do whatever it takes and sanctify ourselves because he's going to move. What's really interesting, we're just going to jump ahead. I'm going to give you the end of this particular chapter, chapter 29. It, it goes on and uh, we'll study it out next week, but there's a lot of things that are put in order, things that are made right. But then it says in verse 36, then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. God redeemed an entire nation like that. And you'll read as, you, as we dig into this, you're going to see the kinds of ways God moved, the kinds of transformation that happened. It was everything from military assistance to uh, the change of hearts in people. There was so much resources that there was blessing on so many friends that they ended up building storehouses because they were using what they needed, giving what they needed, and they had more left over simply because God was present. This happened suddenly because God's people set it up. Because Hezekiah comes in and he's like, I, I maybe haven't seen it happen in my lifetime, but there is something on the inside of me that believes if I align with the heart of God and I make space for God to move and I am willing to adjust clean out, change things, move. I'm willing to be different so I can experience different. I'm changing my expectations. I'm managing my expectation to match his higher level. Instead of pulling him down to what I think is reasonable, I'm gonna build my expectation up to what he says is possible. That's where God's taking us. And it's next level. I'm just telling you, I believe prophetically, I, 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 I do care about the outcome of the election. I do care about what's happening with the stuff around us, obviously. But I believe the far bigger thing is the church needs to get her marching orders and begin to move. Stuff has to happen. And we cannot be lulled to sleep right now. It is time for us to prepare for a suddenly. So if it helps you to picture the little lottery ticket, get your ticket. Otherwise, suddenly it might not happen to you. There is... There is a necessity to get on board with what it is God is doing. Please don't hear this as judgmental in any way. I don't believe that's God's intention, and it's certainly not mine. But I know that some of us, myself included, probably have been putting off some things for two years, five years, ten years, and we'll get around to it. But if it's the thing on the inside of you that he's nudging that matches up with the thing that he's calling you to expect... Time's up. It's just time for us to move. So let's stand together. I'm going to have the worship team. You're all, oh, well, that's a great ending. <laughs> Next week, we're going to get into some of the specifics, but this is, this is very cool. And I believe in increasing measures, his, his power is at work. So we're going we're gonna to finish. Can we just do a song of praise or something? Where's Mel going? But I want to pray over us today. Just the grace to be able to engage with this. How many of you, you kind of know exactly what it is God's asking you to nudge into the forefront? A few of us? 
Okay. If not, spend the time this week meditating. Spend the time with him. My expectation is from him, right? That's the place that God invites us into. Lord, this morning, we thank you that you are always on the throne, that your plans for us are always good, that according to your nature, John 10, 10, that you are here to give us life and life abundantly. And we know, God, that there is a thief that is here to steal, kill, and destroy, and many of us have been under that cloak, and we've been hearing him and feeling him just sniffing down our, our necks. God, it's been tough. But Lord, today, I pray that you would cause that drive to rise up on the inside of us, that hunger, that pursuit, that craving, that expectation of you to move forward. Lord, I thank you that your word says that if we submit to God, we resist the devil, he will flee. And so God, I thank you for causing there to be an attitude of submission rise up in your church. Both this house, God, those watching online, those across our city, our province, our nation, and Lord, even around the world, I thank you that there is a sound going out that's calling us to set up what you wanna do. I thank you that it's a partnership that's all about you. It's all for your glory. It's about, it's about magnifying who you are. I thank you, Lord, that the word tells us that we magnify the Lord together. We exalt his name together. We magnify you, God. And even in this place, we choose to magnify you. Every other contrary thing that has stolen our attention, that has wiggled into our lives, that has sucked us dry, that has, has numbed us out, God, I pray that you would cause there to be such a holy distaste for it that we would run in the opposite direction. God, I pray that you would help us to see it for what it really is. And Lord, where things have been maybe good, but there is better ahead of us, God, again, I thank you for a holy discontent and a passion for the best, a passion for the good things of the kingdom, a passion for what it is that's on your heart. And Lord, we do know that the time draws near of your return and our time is short. And so Lord, if we really believe that, I thank you that you're calling us into action. You're calling us to share the gospel. You're calling us to live in the light and to walk in the light. You're calling us to be salt. You're calling us to be light. You're calling us to live like we actually believe it. And I thank you that there's a grace to do that today. Lord, we thank you that you help us. I thank you, Lord, for the, the story of the Apostle Paul, who was transformed in one day. Lord, in his encounter with you and seeing you for who you really are, everything changed in his life. And Lord, for each one of us today, I pray that we would encounter you to such a degree that it would change our perspective. Any place where our expectations are low and they need to be raised, God, I thank you that it comes from that encounter with you. And I just speak a blessing over your people today that we don't get caught up in the noise of the world around us, Lord. But I thank you that we set our mind on things above. We set our eyes on things above. We set our heart on things above. And Lord, we thank you that truly you are doing exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or think according to that power that works in us. And I thank you for that revelation today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. 
If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.